we have always had the desire to reach out and be in the community. And something that I have been really passionate about weaving into the DNA of Mosaic is that we are not here for us. So yeah, one of the things uh, Jonathan and I used to do, uh, he would throw some music on and we would just kind of, uh, we would pray, but I don't know that you necessarily, most of the time you think of praying, you think of, of talking to God, but a lot of times we were just quiet and trying to kind of listen too. Uh, so we were doing that more and more often um, because we felt like we needed to hear something. This was in the middle, at least for me, this was in the middle of um, a season of just kind of frustration um, where it felt like everything we were doing was right but we weren't going anywhere. Um, it just felt like we were kind of spinning our wheels and I didn't know why. It's like we needed something. Back in the the old office I had this massive whiteboard and we would just write stuff on it as we felt like God would kind of move in our hearts and um, yeah one of the big words that got written up there uh, I can still remember writing it, uh, is the word breakthrough. That we were praying for a breakthrough, that we felt like there was this uh, kind of like a build up behind a dam almost, and we just needed the thing to just break. And uh, yeah, a lot, lot, of, lot of the good kind of discontent happening, uh, hoping and praying that something's gonna move, something's gonna move, something's gonna move. And it's gonna be so obvious that it was God. Yeah, so one of the things that uh, we recognized is that in order for the church to be what we feel like God wants it to be, the leadership would have to be what God wants it to be. And uh, whatever we wanted the church at large to be, the core was going to have to be uh, even more than that. So uh, we kept using this, this term, a, a white-hot core. We wanted uh, a small group of leaders who um, were just passionate and, and just on fire for God, uh, living on mission for God. Um, we wanted to be, you know, not just leading because we had a position, but, but leading by example, that we would be the thing that we wanted the rest of the church to be as well. To have an entire team of people who were excited about that and to not give those people some coins and some ownership in it, um, he was like, man, we, we, gotta, we have to do that. We just have to. So we just invited all the people who were um, leading ministries and we just started getting together uh, and having uh, some, some philosophy talks of like who we are and, and what we're trying to do and then really challenging each other to continue to grow. And we started having these regular leadership meetings which were fantastic. They're fantastic to get together with and brainstorm throw all these ideas around and it's exciting and you come up with plans that are going to move us forward and, and the vision and that vision is to be an outward bent church. And something that I have been really passionate about weaving into the DNA of Mosaic is that we are not here for us. We're not here for us. Uh, so 
we have always had the desire to reach out and be in the community. Um, the thing that was missing was the opportunity to do that. major outreach into the community and that was uh, the Blue Tip Parade and uh, Kids Land. And for years that was like it. That was the pinnacle. That was our outreach. That was the way that we were into the community. That was, that was it. Um, but late 2018 I got uh, what seemed like kind of a random email from uh, somebody uh, who Worked for the city and also volunteered with this organization called Main Street Wadsworth asking if we would be a part of one of their first Fridays in the downtown. And the reason she uh, even knew who we were was because she remembered uh, a couple of years ago actually when we were in the Blue Tip that we had a giant pirate ship and she was, it was the theme was pirates so she was wondering, actually she asked if we could bring the pirate ship which was not possible, uh, but she was wondering if we could come and be a part of that. And uh, I said, absolutely, we'll find some, we'll find a way to make the area you give us feel very piratey. And uh, that's what we did. We, we showed up uh, with pirates and mermaids and face painting and all kinds of other stuff um, as our first experience in a first Friday. Uh, what I wanted to do with that one was, um, well, we always try to exceed people's expectations. Whatever they think a church is going to do, we always try to go a little bit past that. But my goal for that one, uh, I didn't just want to do a good job on the first first Friday. I wanted to get invited back. So the goal was to kind of wow them enough that they would ask us to come back. Well, I had a couple of different strategies. We, we wanted to show up at that first first Friday and wow them, but I also had mentioned that we would uh, pay to have a bouncy house down there and it didn't work out for the first one so I said well how about the next one and uh, I kind of weaseled our way into the next one and then they they just decided you know what why don't you guys just take over gazebo island for the rest of the year uh, so they just kind of signed us to a, a short-term contract to just be be the presence uh, on gazebo island at first Fridays for the rest of 2018. Things were starting to solidify in the community and the leaders in the community, we're starting to recognize what we were really trying to do. So uh, Amanda and I uh, were the ones kind of planning First Fridays and we had a meeting uh, outside at Sonnets. And we were sitting there discussing, you know, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna be creative? How are we gonna uh, you know, engage the community at this opportunity that we have? Um, and as we're sitting there talking about First Fridays, one of the people who worked at Main Street Wadsworth is walking by, putting flyers up for some event, and she walks up to us and she says, hey, um, Main Street Wadsworth is looking at events for next year, and we don't wanna do the egg hunt downtown anymore, but we also 
don't want to tell people that we just canceled it. And she's like, I just want to do something different with it. Like, it's just, you know, kids go into the buildings and they get an egg and um, she just wanted something more. And she's like, but I'd really like to just kind of hand it off to somebody. And she was like, would you guys want it? You're, you're asking me if, if Mosaic will take the Wadsworth Community Easter Egg Hunt. Yes. And, and in that moment when I said yes, it's funny because the, that was a huge thing she just asked. Uh, and, and the other, I guess the other thing that somebody might say in a situation like that is, well, you, I, I need to pray about it. But, but for me, the way I saw that interaction, that was, not, that was not something I needed to pray about. That was something that I had been praying for. When she came up and offered that, I, I just said yes and said, we'll figure out the details later. The answer is yes. He had literally never even been downtown for the traditional um, Wadsworth downtown Easter egg hunt, whatever it was. He literally had no concept of what he was actually signing up for. And admittedly, maybe I, I, I had some people I should have talked to before just saying yes. You are a prick. This was happening like months later, months later, for something that he was anticipating thousands of people coming out to. Adam's eyes kept getting bigger and bigger <laughs> as he was presenting all of these big dreams. His dream was not finding eggs in the park, which was what I was picturing, like an egg hunt. It may have even been that same day that he was like, if we're gonna do this, it's gonna be an egg drop. And I was like, okay. We had to have a helicopter. If we were gonna do this, it was gonna be, we're gonna go big. I remember when he came home from that meeting and told me and I was like, what? Are you, like, she, are you sure? <laughs> that's, that's how the Wadsworth Easter egg hunt came into Mosaic's position. We get this opportunity, this, this Wadsworth community Easter egg hunt was given to us. Uh, but, but what's funny about it is really nothing was given to us. It, it wasn't anything. Uh, it was just the name of this thing that um, there was no substance to it. I had followed this one church that, that did this thing called an egg drop where they had a helicopter come in and actually drop the eggs. And that was something that always uh, intrigued me. It was something that, that was surprising and way above and beyond. And, and that was kind of where I started to dream what would it be like for Mosaic to actually do not an Easter egg hunt, but an Easter egg drop. Um, and I knew that the only place in the city of Wadsworth that that would work was Artright Stadium, uh, which meant I had a really big ask. Uh, so I still, man, I still remember driving there. I was so nervous, so nervous. I mean, meeting with the superintendent, he's an intimidating guy. Um, sitting in the waiting room, just praying like, all right, Lord, give me the right words to say. Um, so I went back into his office and I sat down and I just kind of dropped it on him. I, I, didn't, I didn't do a lot of setup, just said, hey, here's what we're thinking. We got this Wadsworth Community Easter Egg Hunt, but I don't want to do a hunt, I want to do a drop, I want to actually have a helicopter fly over your football stadium and drop eggs, and I want you to just say yes. 
I also uh, was prepared because we had done a little bit of research on egg drops and uh, even if you just type it into Google, you, you don't have to go too far before you see that they can go really well or they can go really wrong. And uh, I had a couple of horror stories. Um, <laughs> I had found one article from, I think it was Florida, where uh, the church like made the front page of the paper but not for a good reason. Uh, the eggs got like dropped on kids' heads. There was like people getting trampled. There was parents like actually in like fist fights over some of these eggs. And I remember <laughs> having this realization, oh my gosh, like this, this could be a really good thing, but on the opposite side, it could actually be just as big of a negative as it, as it has the potential to be a positive. Um, so Coming out of that meeting, uh, I got a firm maybe. <laughs> the answer was, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to ask the insurance company. Uh, so he gave me a maybe, but I, I definitely took that as a yes. The moment I kind of made the decision, all right, let's, let's shoot our shot. Um, I knew it was way too big for me, and I had to get a team together to be able to pull that off. Well, I remember, I believe the first time that we had like an official meeting, it was Jonathan, Adam, myself, and Amanda. And Amanda, of course, being key organization person. Once Adam gets like a big idea in his head, like I said, like, do we have a plan B? And he's like, there is no plan B. I mean, I can remember the truck pulling up with the first load of eggs. So we started with 30,000 eggs. We were all like, all right, you're doing this, you're doing this. Registration on both sides, all of the, the waivers, people signing in, checking people in, making people feel welcome, making sure people knew where to go. Entertain all these people, some games and activities. I knew that we needed prizes. We need TVs and Xboxes and drones. and Like when do we announce it? When do we not announce it? Flyers out, we gotta get on the radio. We needed everybody to volunteer. And yeah, then it just kind of, everything just kind of opened and away we went. But we're putting hours and hours and spending thousands and thousands of dollars, even though we didn't even know if we were gonna be able to do it. I need a helicopter. I need a helicopter. Oh no, he's not kidding. If he could fly it himself, he probably would. And then that started a conversation about Adam getting his license. <laughs> I dreamed about helicopters. I, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about helicopters. I don't have a helicopter. I don't know anybody who has a helicopter. I don't know anybody who flies a helicopter. I don't even know the first place to start on how to do this. I was typing in helicopter into Google and uh, you know, nothing that you want is coming up when you type in helicopter. Uh, I had found a church uh, that was kind of local that actually had done an egg drop. So uh, I put a call into them and uh, we got a lot of really cool, good advice as to how to run one from them. And I also got a number for a guy uh, who flies a helicopter and his name was Jed. Uh, his name was Jed. And I don't know about you, but when, when I hear the name Jed, I immediately think uh, of a hillbilly who, who may or may not uh, have duct tape attached to his helicopter that he precariously flies places uh, to the danger of all anywhere near him. Um, and I, 
so whatever. He's my only lead, so I called Jed, and he sounded exactly like I thought he would. His helicopter wasn't working at the time, which I'm like, I'm really surprised. He's like, yeah, I might get it fixed. I'm like, ah, maybe, maybe we won't go with you. But I have the number of one of my buddies who also knows how to fly, so Jed gives me the number of this other guy, so I call him and we have a good conversation. His helicopter actually flies. Um, he sounds like a little bit of a professional. Uh, so through that conversation, uh, he also gave me a maybe. The third barrier we hit is is insurance, the, the wonderful world of insurance. We had the school's insurance company, uh, we had the helicopter guy's insurance, and then we had our own insurance, and we don't really have control over any of them, so we're trying to set up like this triple date with three insurance companies trying to get them to all figure it out. Waiting for one to say yes before you could even ask the other person, and well, I can't really schedule this or book that and pay the helicopter guy until the school says yes, but I don't want to lose the opportunity. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. You guys got to figure this out because we don't have time for you to take forever. So we're getting uh, closer and closer to uh, the date of the drop, and I get an email. We cannot park on the grass at the stadium because it had rained so much, because it was so saturated that they did not want anybody from our event parking anywhere on their grass. How, like what are we going to do? You know, we're looking at other places that are close by that they might be able to park at. So now we have this stadium that can hold thousands of people and we have parking for about a couple hundred. We'd come so far. <laughs> it was pretty devastating. And I mean, as it just kept going, we were like, we need buses. We need buses. We have to figure out a way to get buses. And I remember us looking at rental companies and I'm like, oh my gosh. Do volunteering Paul. I'm like, he could drive people back and forth. Does anybody have a big van? Do we have a bus? With that, cause yeah, we weren't sure what we were gonna do with those people. And we knew that that would be a bad experience if they had to walk to this event. Uh, Google was my best friend. I just started Googling everything. You know, we need we needed something. We we had an idea where we were gonna have everybody from the church who had a minivan bring it, and we were gonna have people park other places and just use a, a fleet, an army of minivans to try and get people. Uh, that idea was scrapped pretty quick. Uh, we called another church that had buses, trying to see if they would be willing to help us. Uh, and I also put uh, an email back into the school to see if they would help us. We put as many lines and as many ponds as we could possibly do to see if we could catch anything. Uh, and the one that came through was the school. I actually got an email back from the assistant superintendent and he was amazing. This was such an answer to prayer. Um, he sent me back not just a yes we'll help you, he sent me back a detailed email of how they run buses for football games. And this is how many buses I would recommend you guys would have, and here's how we can do it, and da da da. And he just like laid it all out in this email and said, let me know what you think. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you literally just answered the problem. It was, and from an unexpected place too, the very guy who created the problem also solved the problem. It was really cool, really cool. Every obstacle smashed. Yeah, so a couple weeks out we, the school has said yes. Uh, the helicopter has said yes. The insurance companies figured their crap out. They said yes. Uh, we figured out the busing situation of now getting people in and out that we're gonna actually have parking. Um, everything's really coming together. 
The helicopter came through, the high school came through, the buses came through. God was providing every single step of it along the way. From, from January to April, this, this four-month frenzy of, of trying to pull this thing off, um, there's a lot of things that in there that, that like other people have control of, like the school could say no, the helicopter could say no, the insurance could say no, even the city could say no. Um, but there was one thing in the four months leading up to the egg drop that none of us had any control over. One thing that even if every other thing went right, if this thing went wrong, it would destroy the whole event. And that was weather. I started praying for 65 degrees, sunny, birds to be singing that morning when we show up. Early April in Ohio, probably one of the most unpredictable times for weather that there is. I still remember, I mean, I was a little bit obsessive. He like memorized weather pattern, the percentages and the chances of it. He cracks me up. Four, five, six, ten times a day. He would just be sitting there like hitting the refresh button. He's also a dork and loves birds and he has a CD of bird songs if you'd like to borrow it sometime. <laughs> and the moment it, it showed up, you know, you hit that point where the date you're looking at is on the extended forecast. Um, I started watching it. And I remember the first day that it came on, that it finally showed up. Uh, I, I, it was 50 degrees. It was supposed to be 50 degrees. Um, I think it was cloudy and, and not, not, doesn't look like a pleasant day. So I'm praying uh, as we get closer and closer and closer. And I kid you not, I kid you not. Um, for those 15, 14 days, uh, as we got closer, it went up one degree every single day that I prayed. Um, it was, it was crazy um, to see God so, like, <laughs> what place in your life can you watch God progressively say yes to something? Like, there's almost nothing that you can actually watch it happen. I could wake up every morning and him go, all right, a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And, uh, <laughs> I was so weird. I, I'd come in the back door of our offices and... You know, the birds would be singing back there, and I'd be like, hey, <laughs> Lord, I pray that bird right there would be there. Like, I, I'd, I'd be praying all these crazy weird things. Like, I wanted to believe that God was going to do something. I didn't want to pray in generalities to hope that he could kind of do maybe something. I wanted to just be really specific and just watch him move. Um, man, man, did he move. All the stuff that we've been doing has led up to this. Now it's time to do it because God has moved in miraculous ways for four months leading up to this. And here we are with thousands of people in the stands, engaged and excited, tens of thousands of eggs on the field, 100 volunteers, perfect weather, birds singing. There was not one person in our church that did not do either fill the eggs or serve that day. It was just amazing. Like, I feel like clearly they felt God calling us to this and they knew that they were gonna be a part of something bigger than just filling eggs. 
it was like a collective move. Everyone moved as one. And I turned around and looked at the stands and saw them full, I lost it. And there was a moment I remember when Adam walked up to me and we literally had no words. We just looked at each other and just hugged. And it was like, yeah, this is, this is it, this is real. Like God totally showed up. The church just gets that mission really, really quick. It just happens that they see that, hey, this isn't just an event, that there's something more to it, that there's like meaning and purpose behind it. And they just go. Five degrees, birds singing, melted chocolate. I mean, think about this. What we just, what we did, we put on an event as a church of 200 people for 4,000 people to show up. Like, I got to watch God move in a way that, um, like, we couldn't have done it without him. There's no way we could have done it without him. And, and to see everything that, everything down to the most minute detail that I prayed for happen. God using these silly things that are physical things in the spiritual to draw people to him, to, to break down those barriers, those preconceptions that people have about church, those preconceptions that people have about church people, um, and to see if, man, maybe God can use that. Maybe God can do something in their hearts. And the how cool would it be for the first step somebody to take towards God to be, oh, I went to like an egg drop, which was totally not like a spiritual thing. But now I have a relationship with God because that was the first step towards it. All worth it. The end of 2019, we're very different than the beginning of 2019. The community knows who we are now. As we've just continued to invest in the community, continue to, you know, yeah. Do, do things that we may not get a, a return on, to volunteer for things that nobody else really wants to volunteer for, to um, pursue people that, to be honest, most other churches may not really want to pursue. We're not afraid to ask, what are those things and how can we go get them? It really feels like once we started saying yes, the opportunities just kept flooding in.
to provide those moments for families and they don't have to ever pull out their wallet, like that is where my heart is at. Like that's what gets me so excited that we can give them these like Disney-like experiences that aren't going to cost them anything. It doesn't matter how big we are, how small we are. Like if, if we pray for it and he is behind it, it will happen. We're a church for people who don't think church is for them. People that have been hurt before by a church, to the church system, we, we have something for them. A person who is fighting with addictions, this is a church that'll welcome you, you know? You, you can go in there and feel comfortable that we're not prejudging you. We want you to come in there. The year in itself, what it's meant for me is I now have a stirring of, wow, what is next year look like? Because I can't even imagine. We're like actually doing the thing where we're reaching people, reaching the lost, broken, and skeptical. It feels like we're a mobile church now. Church for people who don't think church is for them. Yeah, we are. Hey, so here's the deal. We, we look back, that, that was last year, and obviously the, the, we focused on the egg drop because, man, the egg drop was kind of like a, a flag in the ground thing for us. We tried something that we knew was way too big for us, and, and God just came through. So for, like, from, from that, it kind of just seems like something shifted, and now there's this weird uh, confidence that comes with seeing God move like that. Uh, so now I want to kind of look forward, but before we look forward uh, at... Uh, some specifics that we're going to do this year. I wanted to read a story to you guys uh, in Joshua chapter 10. So I'm just going to read the whole thing and then uh, we'll talk about it here briefly. Uh, here's what it says. So Joshua and his entire army, including the best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. They're going to go fight somebody. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up against you. As Joshua traveled all night, from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road uh, to Beth Haran, killing them all away along uh, to Ezekah and to uh, Makeda. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Ezekah. Uh, the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jasher? The sun in, uh, stayed in the middle of the sky and did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one or since when the Lord has answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. That's a crazy story, isn't it? Like, that's why, I don't know if, you've, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, like, I've never heard that before. That is nuts, right? That might be one of the craziest things uh, that, that is in the Bible at all. Um, and and it's, it's crazy from the beginning to the end. So Joshua and his men are getting ready to fight. And then God tells them, hey, you're going to win. But he doesn't just say that. He like speaks about a future event as if it's in the past. Did you notice that? I have given you the victory, even though you haven't fought him yet. 
Like that's an interesting concept that God speaks about something that hasn't happened yet as if it has, and he's already assuring them what's going to happen. But the very next verse, it says that the men marched all night, which is interesting because I don't know about you, but if God tells me I'm going to win, I'm like, okay, cool. Like we'll get there then, you know, whenever, right? Like it's like, but they still hustled. They still worked really hard, even though God had already told them they were going to win, which I think is really important for us to see is that, man, when, even when God says you're going to win, you're still going to have to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a part of it, that, that even though God was going to do it, you just shouldn't just sit back and watch. Like, actually, the way God works in this world is through people. So when he says he's going to do something, almost without fail, he's going to use people to do it. That, that is almost, it's kind of his modus operandi. That's the way God does things. But really, the thing I wanted to look at in this story was this prayer. Joshua prays this bonkers prayer. I mean, out of nowhere. This is like, I mean, the craziest prayer in the Bible. Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. Like, essentially asking God, can you stop the earth from rotating for just a little bit? We got some stuff to do. Like, that's, that's nuts, right? And just to give you a like, background as to why he would pray this prayer. Joshua knows that if they don't um, finish off this army that they're fighting, that they're going to have to fight them again. Okay, so, so he, they're already winning. It, it's not a matter of winning. Um, they're winning, but if, if the sun goes down and the battle kind of ends and, and some of this army that's fighting gets away, he knows that they're going to come back, that they're going to have to fight them again. So um, he doesn't want to have to fight the same fight again. You ever been there before, like where you kind of feel like you're fighting the same fight? And it's not even necessarily that you lost. It just seems like the fight didn't end. Like you were doing fine, then it stopped, and then you feel like you're back at it again. And you just kind of just on repeat fighting the same thing over and over again. Joshua's like, no, 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 I don't want that. God, can you move right now so that we can finish this thing? I don't just want to win the battle. I want to win the war right now. So he's asking a really big thing of God to say, I want to be done with this army. And he prays for the sun to stop in the sky so they can finish the fight. So when I read the Bible, I don't know how you guys do it, but when I read the Bible, I always kind of put myself in the shoes of the characters, usually the main character, because I'm totally the main character. I don't know about you guys. I just always do that. I always associate myself with the main character in movies, main character in the Bible. Do you guys do that? No, just me. I'm selfish. Okay. Um, so when I read these kind of things, I always kind of put myself in the shoes of the person doing it. So when I, I look at this story and I'm like, okay, so Joshua, man, he's really bold. He's really brave. And then, then I look at this prayer and I just got to be honest with you guys. I would have never prayed that. I would have never prayed that. And I kind of, kind of three things popping in my mind. Number one, um, I just would have never thought to pray this. Like that's, that's a crazy prayer to pray. It would not have been on my list of things that I might have prayed for. And I think maybe I was trying to decide like, why is that? Why would I never have prayed for that? I mean, I want to be all logical about it. Like, well, because, you know, I could have prayed like something easier for God to do or something like, you know, I'm trying to find a way around it. But maybe the truth is that, that I just don't have as big of a, an idea of God as Joshua. Joshua's just kind of, um, well, if God can do all this other stuff, hey, can you just stop the earth for a minute? Joshua, it's like, whatever, like, God, you can do it. Like, he didn't, it didn't even really register as like a hard thing for him to do. He just prayed it. He just prayed it. So maybe, maybe I don't have a big enough view of God. The second reason I think I would have hesitated, and I don't know if you do this, but like, they were already winning. No, they were already winning. Matter of fact, God was already moving. God had already done the miraculous, right? He already sent a hailstorm that killed more than Joshua's army did. So God was already doing something. They were already winning. And I think I would have felt like, 
I don't know, like guilty for asking for this. Like, it's not like we're losing and we need God to move. We're already winning. God's already moving. And now I'm going to ask him for more and not just more, but like crazy more, like impossible more. Like I almost would have felt guilty for it. I almost would have felt like, I don't know, that I was pestering God or something. You know what I'm saying? Like a, like a spoiled child. Like you gave me a piece of candy, now give me three more. You know what I'm saying? It almost would have felt that way but not Joshua. Joshua didn't see it that way. What Joshua, the, Joshua's mindset was not, oh, God already moved. Well, like, let's give him a break. You know, he threw some hail, was probably really tired, you know. Like, that wasn't his mentality at all. His mentality was, look at what God has done. He, he promised us the victory. He's already moving. There's momentum to this. Maybe he just, like, how about stop the, earth, stop the earth so we can finish this thing? Like, he saw it as a momentum thing, not as a, hey, let's not bug God. He's already moved. More is like, I actually feel like he got more bold as he went, as he watched God do the miraculous, the miraculous, the miraculous. He's like, you know what? Let's ask for something crazy. So he saw it as momentum. And I think the third reason I wouldn't pray this, I don't know if you noticed this, but like he prays it in front of all the people of Israel. If I'm going to pray something wild like that, y'all ain't going to know about it, okay? Right? I don't know what, like, I was trying to, I was still a little bit confused as to why, like, that's my instinct. If I would pray something crazy like that, I don't want you guys to know it would be between me and God. Um, and maybe it's pride. It's got to, it's probably, if I don't want to admit it, it's got to be what it is. Um, but I don't know, like if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, okay, like if you pray that, there's going to be consequences, dude. Like, like the, they might look at you and if God says no, it's going to hurt your leadership. You know, like this is a risky thing to pray and a risky thing to pray in front of other people. But man, Joshua is just bold. He's brave. He prays this crazy, big, audacious prayer and God just, just does it. It, I love the way the Bible is so unassuming about these kind of things. Like, so the sun stood still in the middle of the moon, in the, in, in the moon stayed. Like, it just, it just did. It just happened. Like, he said yes. It's crazy, right? I mean, so I read this quote uh, past couple weeks. Really good. A guy named Mark Batterson. It says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. Whew, that's a mindset like shift, isn't it? Because I don't know, like I, I catch myself, um, and specifically this is state of church Sunday, so we're allowed to talk about the church. I'll talk about you guys a little bit. Let's talk about the church. So when I pray about the church, I struggle with this because um, I find myself, I don't know if you guys do this, like making excuses for God. Do you ever do that? Like you're hedging? in the middle of your prayer, like, hey, God, so I know we're not a huge church, and like, I know Wadsworth's not a huge city, and like, our culture kind of doesn't like Christianity now, so like, if you could use us to like, reach some people, you know, make an impact in some people's lives, and I catch myself, and I go, who, who are you praying to? Like, what God is up in heaven going, yeah, I want to honor that. Here, let me do this little thing for you. Like, like, God's like, thank you for not asking that big thing. I was really busy, and you know, like, that doesn't make any sense at all. We, we serve the, the infinite creator God of the universe, and by the way, just a little side note, if you're sitting here and maybe you're not a Christian and uh, you, don't, you don't have faith, you're looking at a story like, like what I just read and you're like, that's impossible. Like the earth, wouldn't the people fly off the earth if God stopped the rotation? Yes, every miracle in the Bible is impossible. That's actually the definition of a miracle. Did you know that? It's impossible. That God is suspending the natural order and putting in the supernatural so he does what he wants. If he created the earth, he can tell it to stop and he can also tell all of us to stay on it when he tells it to stop. So I'm not really, I'm not, if it's a miracle, it's a miracle. You know what I'm saying? Let's not get caught up on that. Um, it's too hard. No, it's not. He created everything. Um, and that's kind of the point, isn't it? That if God's going to move, he can do anything. Like, why are we praying such small little pathetic prayers? Why are we praying these wussified prayers? It doesn't make any sense. If God can do anything, we should be praying 
the biggest, craziest thing. That's where we should go first and then back up from there. Not like, okay, God, maybe could you do this little thing? Like that doesn't make any sense. The whole heart behind it is just wrong. Big prayers, big trust, big God. So I guess for, for the application for today, for you, what impossible thing are you praying for this year? What, what, what thing are you praying for right now that you're actually praying a wussified prayer? You're praying because you're like, oh, well, God, this situation is really hard. So maybe if you could just do this little thing over here. No, no, no. Come on. This is God. Ask him for the big thing. Actually, I think he'll like it. I think he'll be honored by it. He's not going to be like, oh, I can't believe you asked me that. No, he's actually going to be, I can't believe you didn't ask me that. Like, I can do anything. So what thing do you need to, like, expand your prayer? What thing do you need to make it bigger? What impossible thing are you praying for this year? And then uh, I want to I look at, like, what does that look like for us as a church? What does that look like for us as a church? Because I very much feel like we're in the kind of same situation Joshua's in. We, God did some awesome stuff already, right? Like, God's already moved. We, we're a way different church than we were just, just 12 months ago. Like, it's, it's wild how different it is. What now? What's next? Because um, it's with Joshua's heart and Joshua's attitude that I want to go into 2020. So here's what I want to do. I just kind of want to give you a rundown of some of the things that we're going to do this coming year. Um, if you were at Vision Night, you heard some of this already. Um, you got the sneak peek, but, but here's what's coming. I just kind of want to give you uh, the rundown. First thing, uh, we're going to be at First Fridays again. We're going to be at First Fridays again. Uh, we're going to leave creepy uh, Johnny Depp probably at home. Um, still going to use slave labor on the rest of it. Um, but we're going to be in the middle of downtown. Uh, and it's really cool because it's in the geographic center of Wadsworth that we have been said, we've been told like, hey, you guys own this area. Sit right here in the middle of town every month. I just, I don't know, there's something about that that I just really love. And we get to serve and connect with people and invite people. Um, and by the way, if, if, uh, you're, you're not serving anywhere yet, and you're kind of interested in finding a place to serve, man, First Fridays are a great, like, step in. It's, it's one night where you're just kind of there, and you get to be around people and feel that synergy of doing something. Um, so if, if, if you haven't, man, really interested, uh, there's a sign-up sheet, uh, I think, usually at the Connect table. It might be owned by Thrive Groups right now, but um, you can definitely talk to somebody either at the Connect table or the Welcome Center, and you can get signed up for a First Friday because they're really cool. It's the first Friday of the month if you're wondering when they are. It's good. Good, we're on the same page. Good. Uh, so all the first Fridays we'll be at, um, we're going to do, I think we should like do the egg drop again. I don't know. It's like seeing God move. It's just surreal even watching that with you guys. Like such a crazy way to see what God did. How can we not? How can we not try to do this again? So our goal already is kind of like more people, more eggs, therefore more volunteers. So if you... Um, I think the way, yeah, and by the way, don't put chocolate in the eggs this year. Um, isn't that a funny thing? Even that says something, right? Because we didn't even, we so didn't expect God to move in the way we were praying for that we put egg, chocolate in the eggs at Woodmount because we didn't expect him to actually answer the prayer that we were praying. Like, isn't that kind of funny? So we're going to expect it this year. No chocolate in the eggs, okay? Um, and by the way, I think the way we're going to do volunteers, you're just auto, this is a draft. You're just, you're just signed up. You're, you're in now, and you have to opt out kind of a thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it's like a reverse sign-up sheet. If you sign your name, then you won't be there. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, but again, it's, it's like this mindset of like, we really do believe that God uses some silly non-spiritual things like eggs dropping out of a helicopter to draw people to him. 
And we're willing to do anything, silly, crazy, deeply spiritual. I don't care. Like we'll do whatever we can to, to have an opportunity for people to connect. And um, I don't know. Don't you think like, do you realize that a lot of people have to um, decide to belong before they decide to believe? Have you ever heard that before? They have to decide if they belong before they decide to believe. So a lot of people have this perception of Christians. I can't be one of them. Do you know that? A lot of people have that. It's not even God or Jesus that they have a problem with. It's us. It's us. So, so when they look at Christians, or at least their perception of Christians, they're like, well, I can't be that, therefore I can't believe that. But our goal in stuff like this is for them to be able to see that, hey, a church is willing to do this, and they're going to do it for free. And man, all these people are like really nice. Um, most of them anyways. It might have been a few of us who were grumpy that day. I don't know. Um, but they can look at this group of people who are willing to do this kind of stuff, and they're like, you know what? Maybe I could be one of them. And then it's like this barrier comes down and then they can step in and say, maybe I, let's look at what they actually believe. So it's this barrier thing. And I feel like this is something, it's just not worth it. If we don't believe God isn't going to use something as silly as this to do something crazy spiritual in the background. So April 4th, which is, by the way, um, a week earlier than last year. So it's already a test of my faith. I'm already praying. 65 birds singing I don't care that y'all make fun of me for my bird CD, whatever. (laughs) It was a college class, ornithology, by the way. And I did have to memorize like 50 bird songs. It was stupid, but whatever, I don't care. You don't use your college either, so. (laughs) Someday I'm going to preach on birds. That's it, I've decided. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Just decide. We're going to do this. It'll be a sermon, bird sermon. I don't care. Um... Okay, so uh, we're, oh, we're also going to do uh, the blue tip again. Blue tip again, which is awesome, man. We, we've done this for like five years. It's really cool. A um, lot of cool ideas flying around uh, for blue tip this year. Going to be awesome. And again, we're just going where the people are. This is, one of, this is a huge event. There's like 10,000 people, they estimate, um, along the parade route. We have so many people come to Kids Land. We're just trying, to, just trying to find opportunities to connect with this community to get out there. We're not asking them to come to us. We're going to them. We're going where they are. Uh, so, so that's another big one. So now that's new, uh, let me give you three new things this year. Three new things this year. Uh, we were asked uh, to be a part of this event called Balloons Over Wadsworth. Balloons Over Wadsworth. Um, so if you don't know, uh, Wadsworth has an airport, which is weird, by the way. Uh, Wadsworth has an airport over on uh, the west side of town. And they have this event where they, they uh, set off hot air balloons. And everybody comes to watch these things. Uh, they had like 9,000 people last year at this event. And they asked us, they actually asked us last year if we would come and like kind of do a kid's land there for, for this event because they'd seen us out in other areas. And I told them no. Uh, actually, it was the worst possible scenario too because I like went to a couple meetings and like strung them along and then said no. So I thought they hate my guts. They're never going to ask us again. But sure enough, man, they came back this year and they asked us again. They want us to be a part of this. Uh, so, so we have now said yes, that we want to be a part of this thing. So we're going to put on uh, kind of a kid's land thing at a new event with like 9,000 people. So that one's probably all hands on deck too. I'm signing you guys up for stuff. Now I'm not signing myself up for stuff. I want you to know that like I volunteered us to do this. So really big, awesome event. This kind of means that we're a part of every major event in Wadsworth. We, we just, we're just everywhere. Um, there may, man, they just, they, yeah. There's something to that too, that these are people who, by the way, are not Christians who are looking at it going, let's, let's have them come. You know, and, and they're not weird, like they're officially now not weirded out by us. It would have been at first like, oh, I don't know, let's, let's not have the Christians come, you know. But, 
but now it's kind of the opposite. They were like, I don't want to say begging, but they were really, really like urgently saying, can you please be a part of this? And I'm like, all right, fine, gosh, played hard to get. And uh, so now we're in, now we're in. Um, all right, two new things, two other things. So that, that's another outreach probably capped out there. Um, I don't want to say that because who knows what God will do, um, but that's a lot of outreaches we're going to be doing. We're just going to be in the community, in the community, in the community. Um, this, this one's kind of the opposite. So we're going to start something this year called After Parties. Uh, after Parties. And uh, this is Mosaic, so I just want to clarify, not that kind, okay? Um, whatever you do at your after parties, we're probably not going to do at ours. Um, but once a month, right after church on a Sunday morning, right out there. Uh, it's like one of those things where you're as a church, like looking at the things that you have, like all the resources, all the, all the stuff you're strong at. And I'm like, we have a lunchroom right outside of our, what can we do with the lunchroom right outside of where we meet? I'm like, why don't we just like once a month, just have really good food, have some stuff for the kids to do. And we just kind of be with each other, just kind of be with each other. Um, so, so we, we started thinking about like, what, what's a way, and this is, for me, this is an answer to like, we're growing as a church. As we get bigger, we're going to have to get smaller, right? As we get bigger, we're going to have to be more intentional about our relationships. I think we're at the point where you just can't know everybody in this room right now. You just can't. We're going to have to really be intentional about trying to make sure that we're connected in smaller groups, uh, as we grow bigger as a whole. So, this is the opportunity where um, it's not like an addition, additional thing onto your schedule. You're already here, and I know you're already hungry. So uh, you introverts, I am bribing you with food, okay? Because I know the introverts are like, well, I'm going to try and like sneak out. But listen, you're going to go out there, and you're going to smell the food, and you're like, oh. And you're going you're gonna to push through the awkwardness, and you're going to do this, okay? You're going to be a part of this, and I will stand at the door and make sure that you do. If you don't have a valid excuse, you're staying. You're staying. Um, and we're even volunteering to try and keep the kids entertained. So shut up. Like, it's going to be fun. Uh, and we're going to, like, have, it's going to be really good food. I've asked somebody who's really good at this to make some food. And we're going to have music going so you don't have to hear other people chewing. It's just going to be good, okay? The whole thing's going to be fun. Um, I'm trying to address all you weird quirks, you know, out here. You're like, all your excuses. So the first one uh, is February 16th. So, um plan on just sticking around for a little while. And, and again, we're not doing anything weird. We're not going to have like a, here, you guys be friends. We're not going to have some weird, like coordinated, like forced, awkward social interaction. It's just an environment where you can just be, okay? So that's the goal. That's the goal. Um, so after parties, we're going to try and go smaller as we go bigger. Um, all right, last thing that I want to tell you about. Um, it's a little wild, a little ambitious, as is evidently everything that we do. Uh, but this one has a little different flavor to it. I want to pray for Wadsworth. I want to pray for Wadsworth. Um, but not just in like the general sense. I don't want to just kind of pray for Wadsworth. Um, I want us as a church to like pray over every single house in the city. Uh, we're calling it Pray the City. Um, literally, the goal for all of us here, we're going to take this on together. So you're going to play a part in this is to uh, slow walk or, or, well, fast walk or slow drive, I guess, um, around every single, down every single street and pray over every single house that there is. Um, not a long prayer. I'm not asking you to do some drawn-out thing. Just, hey, Lord, move here. Hey, Lord, um, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, like, open up their eyes, soften their heart, like, do something here. Lord, if there's a crisis, like, move in it. Like, show yourself strong. Make your, make your presence known. Just little things like that, just praying over every single house that God would move. That God would do something. And uh, I was drawn to this idea. 
Again, we wouldn't pray wussified prayers. That we would, we're already in the community, right? We're already present. We need to be praying. And something I've been saying lately, a lot lately that I've been convicted about is that I'm really good at you know, that saying, work like it all depends on you, pray like it all depends on God. Well, guess what? As a church, I think we're really good at working like it all depends on us, right? We'll, we'll bust our butts out in the community. We'll be at every event. We'll be down there at first Friday. It doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, whatever. We'll be there. We work, work, work. But I was like, man, what if we like shifted and said, all right, let's pray like it all depends on God? Because none of that means anything if God doesn't move. Who cares about eggs and face painting and dressing up in different weird characters? None of that matters at all unless God does something with it. So let's pray that God moves in this city. I was convicted at the end of last year that my, my prayers were not big enough, that I was praying too little, that I was praying stuff about mosaic and not stuff about the city that we're planted in, that God put us here for a reason, that we are uh, called to fight this spiritual battle, that we are called uh, to, to win this spiritual fight. So I want to engage, and I want to engage through prayer. Every single road, every single house. So what we're going to do, we're going to have a map, a big giant map that you can come uh, on Sunday mornings. It'll be right out there in the commons, and you can mark where you prayed. And I, I want you to kind of take it as like a personal challenge. Like I want you to pray for like a certain part of the city, pray for your neighborhood, pray for a certain neighborhood. And, and I, my guess is if we really take this serious, that we're going we're gonna to color that map up all the way, and it won't even be anywhere near the end of the year. And then you know what we're going to do? We're just going to do it again. Right, And then maybe you're going to have some places where you just like have a path beaten where you're just praying for the same house over and over. And we kind of already started this as a leadership team. So I want you to know, like as you're walking and praying, like, man, God just kind of lays certain, certain houses on your heart. You just kind of have to stop and go, oh boy, Lord, okay, what are you doing here? And you just kind of just pour out a prayer for that house if God's put them on your heart. Like it's just a really powerful thing. And man, what if God does something with that? Like, what if God takes this church that's willing to do any stupid, dumb thing to reach people, and then a church that's also willing to just pray for everybody in the city? What do you think God will do with that? I don't know, but I, I kind of want to find out. And I want I'm willing to pray for them all myself. I want you guys to know that. That's kind of cocky. But I am. I'll do it. I'll pray for the stupid city, the whole thing. But I want you to do it with me. Because I think God will do something more when it's us rather than just one of us. I really feel like God will use it in multiple different ways. <sighs> All right. This is the reason I love our church, because we're not just here for us. And I hope that's part of why you're here. I, I know that's part of why you're here, because you're here because we, we didn't settle. We, we would still be meeting at a little building over at 157 Wadsworth Road, this kind of baby poop green. And it would be a certain group of people and you wouldn't be here because we wouldn't have cared about you. But we, we, I know that we don't do that. That's not why we're here. We're not here for us. We're here to be on the mission that God has given us. That is what this church is about. And I hope that you have benefited from that and now you want to turn around and help other people benefit from it as well.